Okay, Jason is uh, preaching in Rancho today and leading one of their leaders' meetings over there. Uh, and so he's gone, and we are revamping our worship team. If you are interested in helping out, we had a big meeting last week, and we had like a few members be sick today. So, uh, But I'm excited to see how God's going to do that. But, and I'm going to blame it on the worship team of why the balcony is closed. So sorry if you're a balcony person. Uh, we want to be with each other, we want to be closer together, and be able to hear each other, and fellowship with one another, and as Ken uh, Fall says, be in closer proximity to one another, so uh, we can feel the Lord uh, working, and so as a part of that, uh, that's why Jorge is here helping us out, and uh, so helping out with worship, so uh, we can do all the things that, that God is doing, and I'm sure that that's going to our worship team is going to continue to grow and grow here. We're in a bit of transition. So uh, I'm excited today as we, uh, we're, we're kind of saying goodbye to Thanksgiving. So I'm glad we got to say that in the welcome there because now we're kind of looking forward to Christmas, which I'm sorry, not the buying part of Christmas, but the Jesus part of Christmas. So uh, that's really uh, what uh, a goal is that you can stay focused on Christ this time of year. And that's what I try to do for myself. And this really helped me last year as we started talking about Advent, which means the arrival of an event or person or when something comes into view. And so we're trying to help as we're looking forward to Christmas, we're literally looking forward to Jesus and kind of using our imaginations a bit to imagine what it was like before Jesus came to earth. Imagine the depression and darkness and how the people of Israel felt as they were there just endlessly waiting for their Messiah. And then he came to bring a great light. And in that same way, that's the same light that we are called to bring through him to the world today. Because if you haven't noticed, the world may look kind of dark at times, too. And so we're here to be that light, and it's also a reminder that we're not just remembering Jesus coming to the world, but we're remembering Jesus coming again to the world. And kind of that second coming that we're looking forward to, which will be a reunion, a homecoming, a a calling out of the world. And so as you think of Christmas this year, I hope you can think about it kind of in those terms. In today's sermon, there's some sermons that... I do that I tend to go to one passage and it's it's you know I've been doing this for a while so it's kind of like standard right you're like okay I'm in my passage I'm kind of in my home base today's not one of those sermons so uh, it's kind of fun for me too because it's a little different and we're going to be looking at a passage in Isaiah that's talking about them coming out of captivity And kind of that expectation of God building their city again, which is similar to Advent, waiting for Jesus to come and build his kingdom. And then we're going to be looking at Matthew or Mark 13 with Jesus looking ahead to his next coming. And then we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 1, where in my mind it's kind of like the present tense. And so uh, hopefully that will make sense as we go along. But as we get, you can turn over to Isaiah 64. But the book of Isaiah is about judgment and hope. And God is coming to remind them of their, 
how they've turned away from him in that way is a judgment, is a calling back. It's not a final judgment, but it's a calling to change. And then he, that's all the way through the chapter 39. And then in chapter 39, something really horrible happens. They get taken off into exile. Right? So they get taken into exile. And then the second half of the book is written in exile and afterwards. And so we're going to get, we're going to turn to the, we're going to be looking at the second half of the book where he's talking about the old Jerusalem, how you were before, and then the new Jerusalem of what God is doing now. And uh, so we're going to be looking at uh, Isaiah 64, which is really a prayer of repentance. But it's not just any prayer of repentance. It's a repentance after the fact. Right? So there's, there's that prayer, that one level of repentance when you get caught for something, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, I totally messed up. This isn't that. This is like maybe a year after that when you had a really dark time. And then afterwards, and you're, you look back and you go, man, I was in a really bad place. Because sometimes we don't really realize where we're at in the moment. It takes like God's grace to help us recognize where we were. Because sometimes in the moment we're either too stubborn or too blind or too whatever that we don't want to admit it or we're not in touch with it. And later we're like, wow, what was I doing? Where was I? And that's kind of what this chapter is all about. I'm going to start reading in verse 3. Let's have a prayer first and then we'll go for it. Uh, God, we do thank you for this time. Uh, thank you that we have uh, the opportunity to look to Jesus uh, for our lives. We have, the, we have that hope for this world. We have that hope for our future. God, I pray that you inspire us today with, with just who you are and who he is to us. I pray that in that same way that you remind us through your grace of all the ways that we've changed, all the ways that we maybe need to change, but God, I pray that we can, uh, you get me out of the way that your word can speak to us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In verse 3, he says, For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard. No eye has perceived and no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. And so he's reminding them of the awesome things that God did that they did not expect from their history. Like when they were going to the Red Sea, coming out of Egypt, they were stuck in a they were hemmed in and realizing, hey, this is it. And then God opened up a way where they didn't expect it. And in so many ways, God gets us to, the, to that place and then he surprises us. If you can think about your own life, how many times has God surprised you with something amazing that you didn't expect? And you didn't deserve and you didn't know where help was going to come. I can't even count how many times. I freaked out over something. You know that freak out moment when you're like, oh my gosh, it's over. It's, I'm done. And we just continue to get through those. And you're like, you know what? God always gets us through. He always provides a way. 
even in unexpected ways. It says, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. And that's a... Whenever you hear stuff like that, you know that's God's judgment on his enemies. But this is them, after they're coming out of captivity, recognizing, you know what, Babylon's going to get theirs. As badly as they treated us, you know, God's, God's a God of justice. You know, so when you're coming out, when you're going back to your homeland and you're recognizing, hey, God's going to take care of them. He's taking care of us. But in a way, because he cares about us. He says that you, no eye has ever seen any God besides you. That at this point, no, they had continually turned to other gods throughout their entire history. Everywhere they went, they couldn't be out of Egypt for like a month and they're already worshiping other gods. And they just continued to prostitute themselves over the years. And now they would never do that again. Because they're recognizing God put us there, not just because he didn't like us. They were starting to wonder. He's like, no, he was, dis- he was refining us. And now they could look back and say, you know what? We never went back to that again because of God's grace and because of his refinement. It's good to know that there comes a time when God, when even in our own lives, when we, will ne- we won't go back to something again. It's like you struggle and you struggle and you struggle and finally it's like, you know what? Never again. That's a good time. We can, there's some things that maybe we won't do that with, and that kind of frustrates us. But there's other things that we could look at and you know what? I'm so glad that God got me through that. God got me through that time that I may be struggling with something, but at least I'm not struggling with that anymore. Praise God for that. He said, you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. And I took a bit, a bit of a pause as I read that, thinking, God helps those who gladly do what's right. And I started thinking, like, huh, not sure that's me all the time. How about you? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I mean, Jorge, this guy, he, he passed. I was like, he's coming out here knowing about all the holiday traffic and everything. And he was like, you know what? Where there's a need, I'm there. And I was like convicted again. Like, oh man, this is amazing. But that's the heart that God is reminding us. You know, I used to be that way. I used to do that. I used to have that heart. To gladly do what is right. And he's reminding them. I'm sure they didn't do that. That's, or they probably wouldn't have gone into captivity to begin with. He said, but when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean. I'm going to keep reading. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We are all shriveled up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. And we've heard this before about our our, our righteous acts being like filthy rags and what stood out to me was that line where he says, we're all just, our sins just blow us away like a leaf. Like we're just temporary. We think we're everything and we're just blown around like nothing. 
You know that our lives can just be that fragile. He says in verse 7, No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us, and you have given us over to our sins. And now, they're, they're, again, they're not in it at that moment, but they're recognizing, yeah, he gave us over to our sins. You know, we lost our sins. We all can recognize that point. We're just like, you know what? I got myself here. I sinned and I got myself in this spot and I'm, I'm right where I deserve to be. And that's what they're recognizing. They're taking responsibility. They're, they're, they're owning it. They're, but it, it's only because God is taking them out of it. You know, because of his grace, he allows us to see some things. He says, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. Again, acknowledging that we're, we're not done. He's not done with us. He's still working us. He's still softening the edges and, and making us into what he wants. He says, we are all the work of your hand. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's not about, oh, you're a great this or you're a great that. No, it's God's work in you that makes you. His handiwork. He's the potter. We're just the clay. We're just trying to be moldable. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. And I love that line where it says it doesn't matter where they've been. They're still praying to God. They're still looking for him to to rescue them, to to build his city again, to use them. And, you know, we were talking with the Kids Kingdom teachers earlier and just saying COVID was only three years ago. We've been through a lot. Seems like a long time. A lot of things are different. A lot of refining, a lot of pot, uh, clay work. God's been doing a lot of work on us, and yet we're still praying and looking to him. And it says, for we are your people. No matter what they went through, they're still claiming it. God, whatever happened there, we're still yours. We're still praying to you. We're not going anywhere. You're you're lifting us up. And I love that vision as they're coming out and just claiming, hey, we've been praying to you. Maybe we always haven't been praying in the best way, but we've still been looking to you. And you're going to lift us up because we're your people. You're God's people. There's a power in recognizing, hey, it's not about us, but whose we are. That we're gods, and we're going to see that in a minute here. That was them looking forward to this new place. Now turn over to Mark chapter 13. And I hope you remember some of those things that you came out of captivity to. In Mark chapter 13, this is Jesus walking out of the temple with the, with the guys after they're looking at the, t- the building and saying, oh, isn't this amazing? Look how great this is. Aren't we awesome? And he's like, you know what? None of this is going to even be here. 
all this is going to be taken down. Don't, don't look at that. That's not what this is about. It's about the temple, which was Jesus and was going to be them. He said, don't worry about all this stuff. And then after he gets out of there, he has a private conversation with Peter, James, John, and Andrew. And they're asking him, so when is this going to happen? What, what are you talking about, Jesus? Help us to figure this out. And he begins uh, down in verse 24 is where I'll pick it up. He said, but in those days following that distress, following this destruction of the temple, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels to gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. And we'll pause there. And so again, he's talking about this, the whole sun darkening. That kind of reminds you of another passage, probably in Acts, where he talks about the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. It's a similar type thing. It's God's judgment. It's the same thing we were talking about before. I think it's because when the, when we get fires, you know, and you can't see the sun and it's kind of dark, like that's kind of what he's referring to. That's what that means. But again, they're recognizing, hey, that we're in captivity with Rome. God's going to come down and he's going to, they just destroyed our temple. God's going to do his thing with them as well. It's kind of intense, but it's, it's good in a way. He says, at that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. He says, right now, your temple is going to be destroyed. It's not going to happen for fifteen or 10 or 15 years. But after that, he said, don't worry about that because this is what's going to happen next. Jesus is going to come with all of his power and his glory. And every knee will bow, and you will recognize, hey, that's, that's my guy. I'm, I'm his. And you feel like nothing now, but then you're going to feel like, you're going to feel like the sons of daughters of God that you are. That you're not going to be ashamed. That you're going to be with, with Jesus. Praise God for that. Amen. He said the angels will go to the four winds. He said to the ends of the earth and the ends of the heavens. I don't even know what that means. But he's not going to lose anyone that's his. He's going to reach them all. That's the power of Christ. That's who's on their side. They were feeling like nothing. The Jews. They've been conquered for thousands of years. They feel like nothing. How do you feel as a Christian? How have we felt as a church? It doesn't matter how we feel. It matters whose we are. That Jesus is going to come back. It doesn't matter if there's a million people here or 20 people here. We're going to be like, that's my guy. It it was worth it. I'm on the right side of this. And they needed to be reminded of that. And they needed to recognize 
that however they felt, the reality was so much different. And I need to be reminded about that, too. I don't know about you. But he continues on. He says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. And I just wanted to recognize that Jesus did sermons about trees, too. If you're visiting with us, uh, it's coming in about a month. We'll have another, another version and installment of the famous tree. That's not that famous, but anyway. It says, as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So he's wanting the tr- these guys to recognize the times and to be alert and to be ready for him coming back. Sometimes we don't learn the lessons from the things that are happening right around us. God's working all around us, but we're not really paying attention. And he continues on. He says, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know the time, when the time will come. It is like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and, t- and tells the one at the door to keep watch. He's basically telling them to be alert. Don't fall asleep on the job. Be ready. This could happen at any time. And it was so interesting recently, I started reading the book of Proverbs again. It was something that I would read regularly throughout my younger life, all the time. Anytime I was messed up, I'd read Proverbs. It would help me out. But I started reading it again, and guess what? The same exact things that helped me 30 years ago helped me now. The power of the tongue. The power of shutting up. The power of listening to instructions. Accepting correction. Showing restraint. And you'll be blessed. The power of not following the easy ways of the flesh. The same exact things that I had let go. In the past years. Popping off. You know when you're young. You're kind of intimidated by people. And so you kind of like. Really think about your words. And you kind of maybe don't say everything exactly. Not young people today though. Sometimes they they don't have a problem with that. But when I was young. You kind of took a couple steps. you, You thought about it before you just put it out there. But now. I can just feel like man. I don't. I just let it fly, right? There, there's not that same like level of like awe and respect and intimidation. You just go, okay, you want it? Here it is. Deal with it. And I'm reading through Proverbs and I'm going, you know what? That's not a very good way to go. 
it still doesn't work. No matter how old you are or how much wisdom you think you got, it's still better to recognize the value of our tongue, recognize the value of encouragement, of self-control, and all those things that maybe we lost at times. You know, I was falling asleep with my words. You know, there's a lot of things in the last few years we've fallen asleep on. We're, we're sleeping. I'm, I'm in it with you. How about, like, evangelism? Let's just throw one word out there. I mean, we're, we're asleep. We're napping. And I, I don't say that just we're going to start some big campaign. No, we're not. I'm just saying there's certain things that we do, like having quiet times, reading your Bible every day and praying and doing that because you need it. And yet many of us are asleep. Gathering. We're sleeping. We're not chasing people that aren't gathering, but we're still sleeping. And Jesus says, be alert, be watchful. It could happen at any time. That got me a little thinking. Like, Man, I got to. I can't just, how long are you going to, how long am I going to let that slide? I mean, do I need to have someone asking me about it to have conviction? What are your, what are my convictions? You know what they are? Whatever I do, that's my conviction. Wherever I am, that's my conviction. Whatever I say, that's, you know, maybe we've been refined so that we can be who God needs us to be. You know, he, he mentions here, he goes on. That was free. I wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> Maybe it was in the Lord's notes, though. I don't know. He said, therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back. Whether in the evening, at midnight, when the rooster crows, or at dawn, or if he comes suddenly... Do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. And I started thinking, he's like, at midnight and when the rooster crows or at dawn, evening. And I was like, I thought the rooster crows in in the morning, right? When you read rooster, they crow all the time. I was reading up on that, and man, they crow at all times. But one of the times they crow is when there's danger in the night. When a predator comes by, they start crowing to so get everybody on alert. And I'm, not, I'm pretty sure that that rooster was in there for Peter as well. There was only four people there. Peter was one of them. I'm sure that was there for him. The rooster's going to crow, and you're going to be asleep, Peter. He says, watch, be on guard. And now, we're watching, we're waiting, we're, we're recognizing Jesus, we're waiting for him to come back here. And now, we're, turn over to 1 Corinthians 1. And I call this the present. There's a little bit in there where they're waiting for Jesus still. 
But this is like the now in Christ. This is as we take our communion to think about this isn't something that we're just looking forward to, but this is something that we have. This is where we're at. It says grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That right now we're sitting in God's grace that he lavished on us. He's given us a peace that passes understanding that we are recognizing. He said, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. We have so much to be grateful for. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and knowledge. Again, he's writing to a church that they're using their, these gifts in a lot of different ways that aren't that great, but he's saying, I've given you these gifts to build you up. I've given you everything. You've been enriched in every way. I was praying in my neighborhood and just thinking, man, what am I complaining about? We have so much. There's no bombs going off in our house. Nobody's coming and stealing our kids. We have everything we need. God's blessed us spiritually and otherwise. It says, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you, that God even, his testimony is you. Is us. Therefore, do not you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. That they weren't they weren't just waiting; they were eagerly waiting. I don't like to wait at all, but much less you know. But eager eager wait is better. You're waiting for Him. He will also keep you firm to the end. And man, I needed to hear that this week. No matter what's going on in your life, it says that God will keep you firm to the end. It doesn't matter how you feel. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be crazy. No, God's going to keep you faithful to the end. That's not a thing for him. It's just us. We're all up and down. He's like, I, I'm, you're good. I got you. So that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That there doesn't need to be fear for that day. When you went to your parents' house for Thanksgiving, were you afraid? No. When Jesus comes back, if you're a Christian, you're not going to be afraid. Why would you be afraid going over to your parents' house? He gave birth to you. Physically, spiritually. It says, God is faithful who called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's what we're recognizing here as we take communion, that we have this fellowship, we have this gift it says, God is faithful. Maybe over the past bit, you haven't been as faithful. 
It says that God is faithful even when you're faithless. It says in John, when you got nothing, he's still faithful. When they were in captivity, he was still faithful. When they were denying him to his face, he was still faithful. When we've been all over the map, God's still faithful. And he's given us his fellowship with his son. I pray that this Christmas that we come back to Jesus. Maybe it's coming back for the first time. And I got to get that. Christmas as a Christian is the best Christmas you'll ever have. There's something special when you first know the Lord coming to him at Christmas. It's, It's a whole new thing. Let's make that Christmas as a Christian that same way. That we're recognizing Jesus this time and always. So let's pray as we take our communion together. Uh, Father, we do just thank you for this time that we uh, recognize your coming, recognize you coming for the first time, recognizing the humility and that it took to leave everything to come to this world to give up everything for us, to come as a peasant, to come with nothing and to leave with nothing so that we could have everything. God, I pray that this time that you help us to be watchful and to be awake and to remember the the grace that you brought us through so much that we even look back and wonder, what were we doing? What was I even thinking? Because of your grace, we can recognize that today. God, help us to uh, stand firm in that faith that you've given to us. The faith that says that you'll go to the ends of the earth, even to the cross for us. Thank you for your body and your blood that was broken for us. Uh, We love you. We recognize that at this time. I pray that even as we pray that we can recognize those around the world that have it a lot harder than us and that your spirit can uh, inspire us and convict us and lead us as we recognize Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.